0: Our scripture reading this morning is going to be out of Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2, that's Pew Bible page 1302. And now it's quite a lengthy chapter, so it's going to be a, a little bit of a hike here at the beginning before we get into the sermon. But it is a very interesting and exciting chapter of scripture. Daniel chapter 2, Q Bible, page 1302. Hear now the word of the Lord. And in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams, wherewith his spirit was troubled, and his sleep brake from him. Then the king commanded to call the magicians, and the astrologers, and the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans, for to show the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. And the king said unto them, I've dreamed a dream, and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. Then spake the Chaldeans to the king in Syriac, O king, live forever. Tell thy servants the dream, and we will show you the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The thing is gone from me. If you will not make known unto me the dream with the interpretation thereof, you shall be cut in pieces. And your houses shall be made a dunghill. But if you show the dream and the interpretation thereof, you shall receive of me gifts and rewards and great honors. Therefore, show me the dream and the interpretation thereof. They answered again and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream and we will show the interpretation of it. The king answered and said, I know of certainty that you would gain the time because you see the thing is gone from me. But if you will not make known unto me the dream, there is but one decree for you, for you have prepared lying and corrupt words to speak before me, though the time be changed. Therefore tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me the interpretation thereof. The Chaldeans answered before the king and said, There's not a man upon the earth that can show the king's matter. Therefore, there is no king, lord, nor ruler that asks such things of any magicians or astrologers or Chaldean. It is a rare thing that the king requires, and there is none other that can show it before the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. For this cause, the king was angry, very furious, and he commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. And the decree went forth. That the wise men should be slain. They sought Daniel and his fellows to be slain. And Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, which was gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, Why is the decree so hasty from the king? Then Arioch made known the thing to Daniel. Then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time, and he would show the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house, and he made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, Nazariah, his companions, that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret, that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then was the secret revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God, for ever and ever, for wisdom and might are his, and he changes the times and the seasons, he removes kings, he sets up kings, he gives wisdom unto the wise, knowledge to them that know understanding, and he reveals the deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who hast given me wisdom and might, and has made known unto me what we desired of thee, for thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. Therefore Daniel went in unto Arioch, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus unto him, Destroy not the wise men of Babylon, bring me in before the king, and I will show unto the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste, and said thus unto him, I found a man of the captives of Judah that will make known unto the king the interpretation. The king answered and said unto Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen, and the interpretation thereof? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king? Because, but there is a God in heaven that reveals secrets. And he makes known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. The dream and the visions of thy head upon the bed are these. As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed, what should come to pass hereafter. And has revealed secrets, maketh known to thee what shall come to pass. But as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have, more than any living, but for their sakes that shall make known to the interpretation the king, that thou mightest know the thoughts of thy heart. Thou, O King, saw and behold a great image, this great image whose brightness was excellent stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. This image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. You saw till that stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay and brake them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together, and they became like the chaff of the summer threshing floor, and the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them, and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain, and filled the whole earth. This is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, strength. And glory, Wheres, wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field, the fowls of the heaven, hath He given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and a, another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaks in pieces and subdues all things. And as iron that breaks, all these shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet of toes, uh, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom will be divided. But there shall be in it of the strength of iron for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with the miry clay. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou saw iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And in the days of these kings shall the God, the heaven, set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands... And that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold. The great God hath made known unto the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king fell upon his face, and he worshipped Daniel. And he commanded that they should offer an oblation and sweet odors unto him. And the king answered unto Daniel and said, Of truth it is that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, seeing that thou couldst reveal this secret. Then the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and the chief of the governors over the wise men of Babylon. And then Daniel requested of the king that he set Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel said in the gate of the king. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of Almighty God abides forever. Let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing again over the sermon today. Father, we come before you again. We ask for wisdom as we seek to study Daniel chapter 2 today. I pray that it would be a a blessing to us that we would be able to understand and apply these things to our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, amen. So Daniel chapter 2, as you know, is quite lengthy. We're probably only going to get through the first half of it today because it's broken into two pieces. The first half of this chapter, as we just witnessed, was the king seeking out who could interpret this dream for him. And the whole first half of this chapter is about this this thing where the king is seeking after the wise men in his kingdom as to who could interpret this dream. If you remember back in the first chapter when we were studying that and Daniel, that Daniel and his friends had been brought as captives from Judah into Babylon and that they had been trained in the arts that the Babylonian wise men had been trained in, but that they were a little bit different than the pagan wise men of Babylon who were trained in the ancient mysteries of the Babylonian mystery religions. They had something that those pagan priests and magicians and sorcerers didn't have. They had the ear of almighty God. And the Lord washed over them and protected them and gave them wisdom and insight into things that pagans could not understand. Oftentimes, I think that the modern Christian does not quite appreciate the first half of this chapter to the degree that we should. Oftentimes, I know for me for years, as I would read this passage, I would just kind of breeze over the first half of this. You know, I kind of chalked up Nebuchadnezzar's behavior, you know, his seeking after the magicians and the Chaldeans and the astrologers and the sorcerers as just an old, foolish, superstitious behavior. And I think we get this from the uh, kind of unintentionally from the kind of modern evolutionary ideas that are pushed upon us. Oftentimes we think. That old societies were just kind of babbling fools, that they didn't quite understand what, what was really going on, full of old superstitions and idols. And we are kind of more put together today and we kind of understand what's going on. That's not the case. We know from reading in the scriptures that ancient cultures and societies were actually very intelligent, very advanced. The Babylonian Empire was massive and expansive. It had great wonders in it Uh, the king was a mighty king he was no fool whatsoever and uh, the the babylonian empire at the time the the city of babylon the capital had about as many people as the city of richmond does today it was a booming city it was no foolish ancient culture that didn't understand the realities of the world There was a reason that these sorcerers and magicians and astrologers had the authority and the power that they did for thousands of years in ancient culture. And it was not until Christianity came along and Christ came to destroy the pagan ways that this ancient wisdom that Nebuchadnezzar sought after kind of passed away in the growth of Christianity which is a good thing. But we often just chalk him up to being some sort of superstitious old man. Why is he, you know, he's shaking an eight ball looking for some sort of answer. And this is not the case. These, these advanced cultures had, had great technology. I was listening to a, an archeologist talking about some ancient pottery that had been found from like ancient Egypt and Babylon. And they, they were unable to explain how it had been made. It was so precise that it was unable to be made by hand. They have no idea how it was made. It was perfectly symmetrical to one one one-thousandth of an inch. And they're trying to understand how this could possibly be made. If we were to make that today, we'd have to use laser technology and computer and Dremel tools and all of these advanced concepts that we don't think that they understood at all. And we don't know how they did it. But they were no fools. Oftentimes, we're told one thing when a reality Something quite different existed. Some people even if you try to explain these advanced mechanics that existed in the past, we we don't understand how it worked, and some people in foolishness seek for like otherworldly answers, like there were ancient aliens or something that came and helped them build it. People have no idea. They have no idea. And while that, that sounds foolish, what is not foolish is that these kings and priests Sought after otherworldly means for their wisdom, and it was no empty, vain superstitions. They sought after the worship of demons and angelic hosts that enlightened them on various things. And these pagan rituals were forbidden in the scriptures. Paul tells us in Corinthians that when the pagans offered sacrifices to their idols, they were actually sacrificing to the demons themselves. In Corinthians, Paul says, what say I then that the idol is anything or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that you would have fellowship with devils. You cannot drink the Lord's cup. And the cup of devils you cannot be partaker of the Lord's table and the table of devils we know that the world is full of evil spirits we told we wrestle not against flesh and blood the modern man often thinks of the world as very materialistic that it's a world full of stuff and that's all that exists but we as Christians should know better we know better than this that the world is not just a world full of stuff we are spiritual beings. We have a physical body and yes, there is stuff that exists, but we are a spiritual and a physical united being. We're told that there are forces of darkness in high places that we wage war against. So we're to put on the full armor of God. We're told later in Daniel, for instance, in chapter 10, that the Lord had sent an angel to minister to Daniel and tell him a word from the Lord and that the angel had been withstood by a demonic prince, the prince of Persia, and that this angel had been resisted by this prince and Michael, the archangel, had to come and lend aid to this holy angel of the Lord so that he could make his final journey. There is an entire war raging behind the scenes of the scriptures. I think back to Elisha when he was surrounded by the armies of his enemy and his servant said, we're doomed. And he prayed, he said, Lord, open my servant's eyes so that he can see and he saw chariots of fire and heavenly angels surrounding there is an entire spiritual reality that exists which modern materialistic american christians oftentimes overlook we think of the world as just stuff and we chalk up nebuchadnezzar's seeking after his soothsayers as some sort of foolish superstition and while it is foolish to seek after the counsel of demons and fallen angels, it is not a foreign idea. It is something that's occurred over a very long time. Nebuchadnezzar had, uh, from his past, the Babylonian mystery religions. If you remember, we looked at Nimrod with the Tower of Babel. Um, that Nimrod knew the Lord, that he was fully aware of what God had done in the flood, and he was bitter against the Lord, and he sought to build a tower to heaven so that he could ascend and that mankind could ascend to Godhood, which is not very different from what occurred in the Garden of Eden when the serpent said that God really say, don't eat of the fruit, you can become like God, their secret knowledge that the Lord is keeping from you. And so from the very earliest days, these demonic forces have sought to become like God and they have sought to undermine the Lord's work. And what they generally offer to mankind is hidden wisdom, hidden mysteries, godlike knowledge. We know that Saul ran out the soothsayers and the those that were possessed of demons and sought after the counsel of demons in his kingdom. But when the Lord had forsaken Saul, And the Lord was not answering him anymore. He sought after a witch who had a familiar spirit, a demon that worked with her. And he sought after her. And she brought Samuel up from the grave through an act of necromancy so that he could speak to Saul. The reason the Lord forbid this behavior is not because it's some sort of foolish superstition, but because it is very real and very dangerous and very wicked. So when Nebuchadnezzar called these men... Ford, it was not some sort of superstition that he was after. These men were in communication with demonic forces. They read the stars of the sky and they sought after evil ends to bring about secrets and light to mysteries. The true demonic worship and demonic religion and Satanism today is a religious devotion to to self-enlightenment, and to humanism. The closest thing you could get to demon worship today is secular humanism. It is a desire to be enlightened, to be like God, to cast off the chains like we see in Psalms 2, to cast off the chains of Almighty God and that we too can ascend into the highest. It's in this spirit of understanding these realities that we should read Daniel chapter 2. And make no mistake, there's still men in authority today that seek after these same demonic forces. It's nothing new. It's gone on for thousands of years. But in Daniel chapter 2, we're told that Nebuchadnezzar dreamed a dream, and his spirit was troubled. And he commanded, and he called for the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans. And the four groups are mentioned here. And he, the book of Daniel was written in both Aramaic and Hebrew. But the different words that were used here, for instance, the the term magician here is used not only in this location, but it's used in Genesis forty-one eight and Exodus seven eleven. And it's those that were able to interpret. Uh, dreams and tell the future through their power. They often chiseled stone and made totems that would uh, possess demonic power. The astrologers, the Ashaphim, it appears here in Daniel two two, and it occurs in other places in in uh, Hebrew and Aramaic, and it refers to those who could transform illusions and create. Uh, Shape shifting entities. And you say, this seems a bit odd. Just like the sorcerers here, the next group, that word is referencing what occurred in Exodus with Moses. Do you remember what happened with Moses? Moses came to appear before the Pharaoh, and during the plagues, the magicians and these sorcerers were imitating the same plagues through the power of demonic forces. They called up frogs. They turn water into blood. And when Moses cast his staff down, it says his staff became a tannin, was the Hebrew word used, which some interpret to be serpent or snake. But it was also used for sea creatures, beasts, or dragon-like sea snakes, giant sea snakes. There was some sort of reptile monster that Moses' staff turned into, and guess what? The sorcerers did the same thing. They cast down their staffs and they turned in to a tannin. But make no mistake that God always, always triumphs over the witchcraft and demonic powers. What happened with Moses' staff? It says that it consumed the staff of the magicians. Moses' serpent swallowed up the staves of the magicians and the lord brought plagues upon egypt that they could not imitate and they went before pharaoh and they said this is no just simple power this is the finger of almighty god himself they knew who they worshipped they knew they worshipped these little demigods these demonic forces but those are nothing compared to the power and the might of almighty god and as pharaoh had demanded the death of the firstborn when The prophecy of Moses' birth had been brought to him by his sorcerers and pagan priests. So, too, Christ demanded the death of the firstborn as the final plague in Egypt. And it was Pharaoh's Pharaoh's own son himself that was mentioned as dying by this plague. And if you recall, Pharaoh himself was seen as a god and a deity. The Lord mocks the pagan idols. The pagan demonic forces. Deuteronomy 18 gave instructions to Israel and it said, When you've come into the land which the Lord thy God gives thee, and thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations, there shall not be found among you anyone that makes his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that uses divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch. Or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of the abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out before thee. Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. For these nations which thou shalt possess, they hearkened unto observers of times, and unto diviners. But as for thee, the Lord thy God hath not suffered thee to do. The Lord will raise up a prophet among thee. It's not that the Lord just forbid these things because they were silly superstitions. He forbid them because they were very real, powerful darkness that is opposed to the power of God. What's amazing and what is often missed because we chalk these things up to old superstitions is we miss this context and subtext throughout the scriptures that God is constantly showing up the powers of darkness. He constantly does this. This is a theme running throughout the Old Testament and New Testament. It's not that God just chalks it up to superstition. He recognizes its reality and he Brings it to open shame. Remember Elijah and the prophets of Baal. As they were offering up sacrifices. Elijah mocked them. He mocked the the God that they worshipped. Which we know was some sort of demonic entity. And he mocked it saying. Maybe he's asleep. Maybe he's indisposed. And then the Lord rained down fire upon the altar of Elijah. Elijah. We know that the Lord brought to open shame the sorcerers of Egypt through the final plagues. We know that the Lord has bound up in chains the angels that sinned against Him. Joel tells us this, that they're bound up in chains until the final day of judgment. We know that the Lord brought to death the the Pharaoh's son. In exact wording of what the Pharaoh had tried to do to the Hebrew firstborn. We know that Moses... Staff swallowed up the staff of the serpent. We know that the Lord promised that the serpent's head would be crushed by the head of the seed of the woman or by the foot of the seed of the woman. In early church history, our, our church fathers understood these realities and they sought to openly destroy paganism. This was their desire and goal. And the, the, the uh, miracles that were accomplished by the early church trumped the power of of darkness. We know that the demons trembled in fear before the Lord. When the Lord would come, when Christ was walking on the earth, the demons would come, bow down before him, and plead for mercy. And we're told that the demons believe in God, and yet they tremble in fear. In Colossians 2, we're told that the Lord has spoiled principalities and powers and has made a show of them openly, triumphing over them. The miracles and the power of God trumps the pagan world. During my prep for the sermon, I was reading uh, online. I I was looking up ancient paganism and how Christianity interacted with this. And I found a lot of articles. One of them was from the New York Times. And it was bemoaning and complaining about the fact that Christianity had destroyed the ancient world. And the things that had been for thousands of years. And Christianity came and obliterated it. It was terrible. And all that terrible paganism and human sacrifice. I mean what a loss. You know. Like the Aztecs. Uh, with their massive amounts of human sacrifice. 30,000 in a day at times they would do. And you'll find modern scholars bemoaning. That the Christians came and obliterated their culture. All oh, the tragedy and humanity of it all. Yeah, we did. We did destroy these pagan ideas and pagan cultures. And I'm proud that we did. And as Christians today, guess what we need to do? We need to keep doing the same thing. We need to be at war with these pagan ideas and pagan ideologies. No apologies for blotting out demonic worship. These powers are real. They're dark and they're not to be dabbled with. As Christians, we are not to seek out after these mysteries. There's hidden things that we are not to know. And that's okay. And the things that we are to know, the true mysteries, can only be revealed through Christ. When these pagan sorcerers came and they said to the king, there's not a man on earth who can show you the secret of your dream." And Daniel said, it's not because of my wisdom or because I'm smarter than anybody else, but the Lord revealed this to me so that you might know the secrets of your heart. And what did Nebuchadnezzar say to him after Daniel gave him this interpretation of his dream? He said, truly, your God is a God of gods. Your God is a king of kings. Your God reveals mysteries, knows what's in the darkness And dwells in the light. Nebuchadnezzar saw that the powers of the demonic foes that he had worshipped. That his ancestors had worshipped. Were nothing before the might of Daniel's God. The Lord is the one that reveals the deep and the secret things. He knows what's in the darkness and the light dwells within him. And what a powerful triumph of the Lord over demonic powers of darkness. What a beautiful thing. The Lord does it time and again. He lays to waste the powers of darkness. There's even, uh, there's different interpretations of this, but it says that during Christ's uh, death, before his resurrection, that he, he, it says he went and he preached the gospel and he we say it in the Apostles' Creed, he descended into hell. And there's lots of different interpretations for that, but I think it's not a stretch to say that he was declaring his victory. He was preaching the gospel again, putting to open shame those principalities and powers that had before fallen in disobedience. In Colossians two, which we I mentioned before, Paul tells us, he says. That there's the mystery of God. In Colossians 2, verse 2, he says that there's the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, joying and beholding your order. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you have been taught. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead and you are complete in him. He's the head of all principalities and powers. He's put off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision in Christ, buried with him in baptism, risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of the flesh, hath he quickened together, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, nailing it to the cross, spoiling principalities and powers, making a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or holy days or new moons or Sabbath, which are shadows of things to come, but the body is of Christ. And let no man beguile you, your reward and a voluntary humility in the worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind and not holding the head, in which all the body by joints and bands have nourishment, ministered and knit together, increasing with the increase of God. Paul says, don't be led astray by these men worshiping angels. Angels that God has spoiled and made an open mockery of through his victory on the cross. Don't be beguiled by them. The mystery of God is revealed in you through Christ Jesus. He is the one who reveals these things to us. So in conclusion, three points to take home and, and remember and apply. First, the demonic realm is real. It's very active. It, it's involved in the lives of men who seek after a higher knowledge and power that God's not intended. It's a power that absorbs and destroys the user. It's real nonetheless. Ancient and modern wicked rulers have no issue consulting with these entities. And these demonic forces have no interest but the destruction of mankind and the destruction of our hearts and souls. They hate the Lord and they hate that he is victorious over them. And know that God is victorious over them. Secondly, Christians, we are to be content with the mysteries revealed to us in Christ. We're to stay in our lane. God has given us a law to be obedient to he's given us true and godly worship and we are to be obedient to him in those things he's revealed to us through revelation and his word the knowledge that we need that brings life and peace and godliness the knowledge that eve sought in the garden brings death but god brings us life through the power of christ jesus Third, God puts demonic foes to open shame. Throughout the scripture, the Lord puts to shame the forces of darkness. His holy mountain grows over their sacred mountain. His miracles destroy their miracles. His power overcomes the powers of darkness. He casts and chains the demonic foes. He overturns the wicked kings. He tears down their empires. And so too Christians throughout history have not hesitated to put to open shame these forces like the cutting down of Donner's Oak and the the building of of churches and, and ancient kings would take the idols and turn them into public toilets. There is no shame in mocking and ridiculing the false gods of the world. We should be aware of them, but we should know that God's name, the name of Christ Jesus is mightier, more powerful and has overcome all the powers of darkness. And when we desire the light, We must look to Christ for the revealer of mysteries. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your mighty word and your mighty hand that you have spoiled the powers of darkness, that you put them to open shame daily, that you've told us we do not need to fear and that we don't even need to marvel that demons are subject to us through you, but that we should marvel that our names are written in heaven. Father, I pray that we would keep our eyes focused on you, that we would not fear powers of darkness or evil men that seek to to overturn your kingdom. For we know that your kingdom is fixed and mighty, that it fills the earth, that the increase of your government and peace will have no end. That you are the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, the king of kings. A God of gods, O Lord of lords, in you the light dwells and you know what happens in the darkness in jesus name we pray this amen